0: All the people!
1: Welcome to No Confidence. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away when the law matters. It doesn't matter. i prove it on a daily basis. May 31st, 2017. An interview on David Tulis's radio show. On YouTube, you'll find him at Nuga Radio. That's for Chattanooga. He's in Tennessee. Nuga Radio. 92.7 FM. He's got a Uh, YouTube channel, and I suggest everybody tune in. This is how local politics is supposed to be handled by the citizenry. Uh, He's doing it right. Wonderful host. I've been on his show before, uh, and he's welcome to call me back anytime. It's always a pleasure to speak to Dave Toulis, uh, and go visit his YouTube channel and just listen to uh, the effort he's making against local government. Thanks for tuning in to No Confidence.
2: We argue here that near is better than far, small than big, simple than complex. And we also argue down in the footnotes where the good people even there even there in the footnotes the good people will swagger and draw their their pikes and lances against you and insist on national government, insist on administrative centralization and insist on the prerogatives of judicial supremacy and the police state even there in 5 point type in the footnotes they will argue against you and so you have to fire back and you have to uh, swing your sword uh, with great force and you're insisting that personal is better than corporate and that physical is better than abstract these are the five the five arguments if you will of local economy and the free market and they are uh, all like a kind of picture I, I'd say uh, fruits of the Christian gospel they are fruits of the gospel uh, they are uh, they are ideas which will tend to make Chattanooga and Hamilton County the horizontal society, the free liberal society, uh, even one where, where there is uh, the gospel is feared and revered, uh, God is loved and feared, uh, one in which there is equity and horizontality. What we have now, though, is a vertical society, a power society, uh, the pyramid on the back of your $1 bill, your Federal Reserve note with a one on it, or several ones on it. And uh and we are we are an oppressed people in many, many ways, though we think we're living in a free country. And Memorial Day, celebrated Monday, just sort of reminds us of the of this myth that we are a free country and all those soldiers who died, uh fifty five thousand corpses on the hills in Chattanooga alone, uh they died for freedom and they gave, as they say, the ultimate sacrifice. Uh David Merlin is not so sure that they did, and David Merlin is a, a, he's a bachelor in Seattle, uh, 59 years old, and has been involved in defending people in court uh, in all kinds of cases. First, starting out with uh, uh, those under oppressions by the Internal Revenue Service in 1988. And uh, that was when he first caught sight of the, the problem and began researching. And in 1994, he started helping people involved in tax cases with the good people. Out of Washington, he is a litigation and defendant support activist. I think it's fair to, to call him that. And uh, recently, has uh, published a book. Uh, David, what is the title of your book, and in a nutshell, what's it about?
3: Thanks, Dave. I've been called worse. Uh, the particular book you're speaking of is No Confidence: Civil Liberties versus Homeland Security. It's a collection of over 110 proposed statutes I've written. Uh, when I'd see a problem with government, I'd write a statute to cure it, state or federal. Uh, these are, in, you know, by and large, state-proposed statutes, maybe city ordinances, but it's uh, there's over 110 of them, and there's uh, more than probably 10 proposed constitutional amendments. It's obvious we can't rely on the government to enact the laws we really need because there's problems all around us. They've had how long to clean this up. So uh, the government is chronically dysfunctional, and we have to help. And the citizens' initiative process, state by state, uh, you'll find out more at ballot.org. There's an an access to the law that is really very uh, seldom used, state initiatives, for the stuff that people with us a more educated view and opinion of government, they might come up with different answers than the lay person who goes out and says, This particular tax is just too high, we need an initiative. I have a, a very appreciable background in uh, legislative interpretation, and I just see solutions everywhere if people would just turn off the TV for a couple months, uh, coordinate, organize. And get a ballot measure uh, on the ballot, uh, an initiative on the ballot, and uh, you can make change that way also.
2: Well, listen. Let me just ask you ask you this, David Merland of Seattle. You're, when you say you have uh, ordinances, uh, city ordinances that might be proposed to, to fix an abuse or a state statute, I think well, that's that's really in our direction. But here's this man who's also proposing federal constitutional amendments. Isn't that isn't that just kind of uh, the idea sphere, if you will, a kind of fantasy thinking? Well. We can just fix a problem if we get all these states to ratify a constitutional amendment. Why would you even waste the breath or the ink to talk about a national reform that that just seems so hopeless and so it's it just seems so impossible to even consider, David?
3: Um,
2: a dream world. I wrote,
3: most, <laughs> I wrote most of these provisions in 2002, 2003. I would see a problem. Uh, I, I was helping a lot of people in state court and municipal court at the time. I was not representing them, but I was practicing law without a license for poor people, writing stuff for them to file in court. Um, And what I, you know, I've been a teacher of my findings since 1993, and what I try to do is teach first. And so I've expressed my findings in essay, in brief and uh, this book of citizens' initiatives. It's looking at the problem from several different angles to look at the different, the many different angle, or aspects of remedy you have available to you. It's not that I'm proposing you do this. I'm proposing you read this to see how easy it would be if, in fact, you decided to do this. So it's not that you don't buy this book unless you're going to have an initiative. You buy this book so you're familiar with a whole lot of problems that didn't come to the surface because you're not living in the world I live in. You're you're the average individual, uh, daily job, family, God bless you. You got kids out there that you're working hard to feed, and you don't run into all these problems, whereas I, as a legal advocate, I got phone calls from a bunch of different people over years saying I have a particular problem, I have this problem, I have that problem, and I would get into the law and find out whether or not uh, it rightfully could be visited upon the public by the whatever government I was dealing with, be it municipal, state, or fed and then I'd weigh the situation for its constitutional infirmity and I'd write a statute to cure the problem for this particular work. For those people I'd, I'd write a brief for them to take into court. So I was looking at law from a bunch of different angles and I saw that there's a lot of things that you can't solve unless you write a law to, to inform the public servant, you're doing it all wrong. And sometimes they won't listen to anything but a law. And so it may be a fantasy, but looking at the political landscape as I have been, uh, I've been watching a minimum of five to nine hours of news every day since probably 1999. I work at home, and I watch news, listen to news all day long.
4: Why? And
2: while,
3: what is while it to may news seem news? futile to a lot of people, uh, it may be the only thing you have left. Uh, it may be something you didn't think of. And now that we have more than any time in my lifetime, we've got Republicans everywhere in state legislatures and in the Fed, And if any time was the right time to try an initiative drive to change the law in the way that prudent people understand it should be, now is the time. So while it may seem futile to a lot of people, it's closer to reality than it's ever been.
2: Tennessee has an official oppression statute, uh, David Merlin, uh, 3916403. And uh, there it's highlighted intentionality of abuse. If you intentionally subject another to mistreatment or to arrest, detention, stop, risk halt, search, seizure, dispossession, assessment, or lien, when the public servant knows the conduct is unlawful, or intentionally denies or impedes another in the exercise or enjoyment of any right, privilege, power, or immunity when he knows the public servant knows it's un- unlawful, then you have a oppression, which is a, which is a Class E felony. You're, uh, you propose revi- that's not exactly what you have mentioned in, in your book. You have uh, you have a description of official misconduct. This, this I think is a, a description of source of official misconduct. Uh, you say that you should say something like this: A public servant is guilty of official misconduct if, with intent to obtain a benefit or to, to deprive another person of a lawful right or privilege, he intentionally commits an unauthorized act under color of law, or he intentionally refrains from performing a duty imposed upon him by law similar uh maybe a little bit better than Tennessee's uh are there some states that don't have uh don't have a, a clear definition of oppression uh, David Merlin
3: I've run into a couple I've run into a couple of states that don't have an official misconduct statute you were reading the official misconduct statute from Washington state and I'll tell you what I never got any respect from government until I started writing and filing citizens' criminal complaints pursuant to a court rule that says you can do it. And suddenly, I was somebody they didn't want in court because, in all honesty, the more you learn about the law, the more public servants you find in violation of that statute that Dave Toulouse just read to you. They live in the criminal code. The government's address is the criminal code. Everything there, yeah, there are so many modes of enforcement they succeed in based solely on our ignorance. I can't tell you. And when you cure some of that ignorance, you find out, oh, there's a violation of that statute. Now, you can, you can see violations of that official misconduct statute all around you. It's that bad once you cure a little bit of ignorance.
2: Well in in, uh, in Tennessee we have here in near Chattanooga a case where a a city government is demanding an inspection uh, of a, of a couple's house without a warrant and they're saying that it arises from uh, an ordinance which uh, which deals with with property uh, with property and renovations and the couple has has been in hiding Dave merlin for uh, almost a couple of months now under a civil uh civil contempt uh, finding by the chancery the chancery judge and my argument I know mean, I might be wrong about this but my argument is there can't be a they can't there can't from municipal necessity ordinance arise a cause of action for a search notice that the word search is not the same as inspection for a search absent a warrant which which has to have a criminal basis uh the, the city and its agent uh, the the uh, city attorney are asking as if there is a cause for a search that's not that's civil uh, and so I'm I'm trying to figure out you know, what what should this this couple do? How, how, what's the you know how do we make the story have a good a good conclusion? Uh, they're in hiding and they're not re- refusing a search. They're refusing a, a a a an inspection. What what would you make of something like that, Dave Morrow? I would
3: take the, I would take the ordinance under which the city is operating, and I would sketch or maybe fully detail in a written statement and notarize it, the exact situation uh, you find yourself in when the city requires, we're going to come onto your property and search. Then I would take that affidavit and description and the number of the ordinance they're using and I would take it to a civil rights attorney in your area, try to find in the, the biggest city closest to you an attorney who has a record of suing municipalities that attorney is going to know all the ins and outs of municipal authority versus the constitution they're going to specialize in it and they're going to know what statutes to cite to invoke the jurisdiction of the court they're going to know exactly how to go into court how to phrase the uh, frame this cause of action against the government and bring the question to federal district court can the city really require this when in fact, I have failed to waive this or I have failed to violate that. And they frame the question for you and I don't, in my experience, they won't listen to anybody who's not ready to take them to court because court costs money and they don't appreciate anything until you hit them in the wallet. And so I always do that. Really, it's at the top of my list of things to do is to threaten their wallet. It seems to calm them right down. And... Uh, and then I would run this past an attorney
2: personally. This is David Tullis. We're talking with David Merland, who runs the website wevgov.com. That's wevgov.com. Uh, He's a litigation and defendant support activist for people involved in tax cases and other cases where government is uh, is oppressing their uh, their rights. One uh, one revision in the book that you uh, that we're discussing is called No Confidence. Uh, Dave Merlin is a uh, revision in the Auto Code. Now, th- we are. I-, I think my listener doesn't really doesn't quite grasp this, but there is a, a continuing offense since 1938 in Tennessee against the right, the property right of travel. And the Tennessee government and its uh, its Tennessee Highway Patrol and municipal and county law enforcement agencies enforce commercial government on all travelers. In other words, if you're traveling by car or truck on the public right of way you have to be in commerce and you have to show the proofs of being a commercial operator uh, which would be what? What are those proofs and is my listener likely to be in commerce and using the roads and what do you recommend in a way of revision of statute?
3: And uh, I come at it from really a baseline level because of my, my appreciable uh, database above my shoulders that has read over 4,000 federal decisions. Um, I've been on this job for a long time and I come at that question not from the demand that, hey, I'm not engaged in commerce, so leave me alone when I'm on the highway. Instead, you go to your motor vehicle code at its inception, the first version of it, 1908, 1910, 1915, find your first motor vehicle code and you're likely to find definitions of public highway and motor vehicle that restrict the definition, the uh, motor vehicle code to only those engaged in commerce upon the highways not those citizens just moving their property or uh, using the highways for traveler communication and then you research forward to see if the legislature ever amended uh, the statute, the definitions, or expressed an intent to apply the motor vehicle code to other subjects than it originally was uh, uh, written to apply to, and that's what I found in Washington State on wvgov.com on the public vehicle, uh, on the uh, motor vehicle code page. You'll find my entire briefing of Washington law because I filed a brief in Washington, but what I found was there's a particular phrase in statutes and ordinances across the United States. You're going to see on wevygov.com on the Motor Vehicle Code page. Near the top of the page, there's a series of links, different search engines, for uh, searching this particular term. Uh, it's, I found it in a 1961 Washington State statute uh, in the work of Kurt Riggin, and I built on that work because I found this phrase in law everywhere from coast to coast, open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel. I, 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 I read that phrase over and over again. In 2005, I went to Google and did a search. I got 464,000 hits on that phrase, open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel. And I have to tell you, If anyone has a right, it's an American, and so I claim that right for myself. Somebody's got this right to the roadways, because here it is uh, across the country. I've got it everywhere. I just did a search on Google. I got 37 million hits for that phrase.
2: Well, let let me ask you about uh, Dave. Dave Let me ask you about 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 that open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel. Uh, My understanding of this uh, this issue, which we explore at Nuganomics.com. Here in Chattanooga, uh, a vehicle is the is the word for a truck or car that is put into the service of commerce. Is that so this this phrase implies that even if you are commercial and have a commercial instrument that's that's categorized legally as a vehicle, a car, a truck, you have a right to be there, which means that you you can be using a truck, but if you're not if you're not an, a carrier, a common carrier for hire, carrying people or goods, you can still use the road privately. Is that is that what's implied in that phrase? And the use there's, of the word two vehicle.
3: there's two different points in the question you just raised. First, your state law is going to determine the terminology or lexicon that statute uses to uh, prescribe enforcement parameters. And so in Washington state, it's the difference between an automobile or a motor vehicle. In your state, I don't know what words they use, but you're going to find a distinction made somewhere in the earliest motor vehicle code between those engaged in commerce on the street and those engaged in travel and communication. So you have to go into your state law to see what distinction they make before you can really say a certain term is a trigger word. And uh, the, second, uh, the second point that you kind of raised is even if I was driving a contrivance that was registered as a motor vehicle and it had a license plate if i'm not engaged in commercial activity if all i'm doing is moving my personal property and not for hire in that contrivance right? i am not engaged in commerce am i and so even if it's registered as a motor vehicle and here comes a really funny trick if if it's registered as a motor vehicle, that doesn't mean it's being used, used as a motor, motor vehicle. vehicle. It so, might be uh, used to <laughs> exercise a right. Now, the second one is, and they'll never do this, but you might trick a traffic court judge into saying, Excuse me, but you got license plates on the thing, and of course it's a motor vehicle. Thank you, your
2: officer. I'll take those off right now. This is David Toulouse, and we're talking with David Merlin. He is a the litigation and defendant support support specialist will be back in just a minute. I've got some important messages here, and very important messages. Would like you to uh, t- to stay tuned. And remember, support local radio, support I'm the owner of this station. Support me, David Tulis, here at Newger Radio. Support all my advertisers, patronize them and thank them for having a message here for you. Now listen. <laughs> Tennessee Valley's news,
0: talk, and sports leader. Nuga Radio, AM
1: 1240
0: and 92.7 FM. Chatta, Nuga Radio, AM 1240 and
4: 92.7 FM's news. Now, On Signal Mountain, the police say that two men pulled up in a vehicle and pointed a gun at two men and demanded their money. The victims are an unnamed man and a juvenile. The police say that the gun that was used in the robbery, however, was not a real firearm. It was a replica gun, looking very realistic. The police say two suspects are in custody. One is 16-year-old and the other an adult, both charged with armed robbery. The EPB credit union was robbed on Macaulay and the police say that no suspects have been arrested yet and nobody was hurt. The FBI is assisting in the investigation. The Sheriff's Department in Grundy County says they have a suspect after items were taken from a cemetery in Grundy County. A 37-year-old, Misty Melton Jackson, is wanted in connection with these thefts. Deputies tried to arrest her earlier, but she escaped on an ATV. New jobs for the Scenic City Aerotech looking to fill over 200 positions at the Chattanooga Volkswagen production facility. Russell Stroud, NUGA Radio News now in-depth traffic news and information mornings on Nouga
0: radio am 1240 and 92.7 fm
2: after a mild start with some patchy fog expect partly cloudy and warm weather for today An nice isolated afternoon shower storm may pass through highs lower to middle 80s tonight fair low 60 to 62 for thursday and friday mainly dry with some sunshine warm with highs 85 to 87 Do you have a pesky tree that needs to be removed around your home or business? Call Paul Bunyan Tree Service at 423-421-2104. That's 421-2104. And I'm Sorgine 12, Chief Meteorologist, Patrick Ford. On Nuga Radio, AM
0: 1240 and 92.7 FM. We have the best steak selection in town. The name of the business is Don's Meat Shop. And I'm Donnie Rains. Just ask for Donnie. I make over 20 different types of sausages. Most of them are great for grilling. We have the best selection, best quality. We have the hard to find items. Don's Meat Shop. When my brother and I opened the first Jets pizza, we believed if we made the best pizza, customers would find us. So we made fresh dough each day. Used fresh toppings and premium mozzarella cheese 300 plus stores later we still do try jet's famous 8 corner pizza with premium mozzarella cheese and one topping now just 11.99 for a limited time only jet's pizza the best pizza in town 3600 Hickson and pike life is short eat better pizza
2: I've got a $10 bill for you at the best paint store in Chattanooga. David here. Big savings in exterior stains. Chattanooga Paint and Decorating. More than a paint store. Bring up $100 on your next upgrade. Plug down just 90 bucks. Save on all outdoor stains in stock at Chattanooga Paint and Decorating. Colex sickens. Benjamin Moore, Flood, Sanson, Richards. 10% off through May 13th. Jim and his team are here to help and advise and to help you hold on to your money. 5529 Hicks and Pike. Chattanooga Paint and Decorating. ChattanoogaPaint.com. And now to our reporter in the field.
0: We asked Ray at Ray's Plumbing what's important for homeowners to know.
2: Some field line systems can cost upwards of $10,000. The bottom line is to save yourself money down the road. I would definitely recommend everybody with a septic that is not on county or city sewer to have an inspection done by a qualified professional. It would be great if nobody did inspections on them uh, for all plumbing companies. That's what we do to make a living. Not to scare anyone, but it should be in the back of your mind. The danger is the field line failing and costing thousands upon thousands of dollars and tearing their yard up by preventing maintenance. You're saving yourself a large headache that may displace yourself and your family it happens more often than you think the waste is designed to stay in the tank and that waste will build up over time even with treatment we have to help that waste break down ultimately preventative
0: maintenance is the key that will keep you from spending five to
2: ten thousand dollars on replacing your septic system bottom line is to save yourself money down the road
4: all right race plumbing 1416341 1, Competent, kind, caring, knowledgeable, experienced, great listener, great negotiator, in touch, accessible. If these are the characteristics you want and need in a realtor, you want and need Thomas DeMoss of Keller Williams Realty. Thomas is a very gifted realtor who puts the client's needs first. Whether you're buying or selling a home, Thomas is the realtor of choice. Thomas will help and guide you through each step of this very important process. For many of us, the purchase of a home is one of our largest investments and most important family and financial decisions. Let Thomas use his 10 years of experience in the Chattanooga real estate market to give you the advantage you need when buying you're selling a home. Buying a house? Thomas can help you navigate the emotional and somewhat anxious process of buying a home. For those of you who want to sell a house, Thomas uses his marketing and negotiating experience to help you sell your home for top dollar. Thomas is a local resident raising his family here in Hamilton County. He knows the area very well. For many agents, real estate is a job. With Thomas DeMoss, it's a passion and what he loves to do. Call Thomas today for a no-obligation consultation. He makes the process as simple as possible. Call 423-364-0028 and visit his website, northriverpropertygroup.com. Need a tiller to get things going for the spring? Spiff up your porch, maybe your deck. Come on by and get a pressure washer at Action Rental. Family in town, need some tables and chairs for an event? Come on by and see us. Action Rental. This is Dan at Action Rental on Lee Highway. Come by and see me. Action Rentals.
0: NUGA Radio, AM 1240 and 92.7 FM knows your opinion is important, so call 800-8949. Agree or disagree, call 423-800-8949, 800-8949. NUGA Radio, AM 1240, 92.7 FM, and 95.3 HD4. News, talk, sports. NUGA Radio. Now. The smartest guy with a bow tie in Chattanooga, Tennessee. David Tullis.
2: As we argue for personal responsibility and reformation of morals and lococentrism, decentralization, and well, we could say the fruits of the Christian gospel here in Chattanooga and Helmand County, we look at the people who really don't stomach that, don't like the idea of self-government, really don't like the idea of people having private lives. They want everybody to have a public life to be a, you might say, a, a biped corporation where everybody uh, has uh, is a, a, a recipient of uh, of the dole in some way, the user and keeper of a privilege uh, rather than one exercising a common, common law right, a constitutionally guaranteed or protected, uh, personally held, Right. right, Rights that belong to individual human beings, men and women made in God's image, flesh, you might say, souls with bodies. That's what C.S. Lewis' phrase for the individual is a soul with a body. And and constitutionally guaranteed and protected rights adhere to them. And so uh, government does not like such people. It really tries to suppress and destroy them, uh, to marginalize them, to make it impossible for them to move easily. Uh, in the modern digital economy. And yet, that's not really the case if we believe David Merland uh, in his accounting of the, the individual and uh, the power of the individual to stick up for his rights, to, to push back, to defy, to thwart false claims uh, of jurisdiction against him by police and judges and administrators, bureaucrats, uh, tax collectors, and others, many of whom operate ultra vires. ultra virus simply means in latin outside the view many authorities operate outside their lawful authority and they operate you might say privately in their own personal capacity apart from uh, a legal authority empowering them as they hold an office right authorities in law uh, apply to offices and authorities and the individuals running these little uh, these little cockpits if you will these little uh, pods of power uh, should be in the pod and using the power given by statute and not be asserting their power as individuals against you, my listener, individually. David Merlin uh, is a stickler on this kind of point. He's a, a troublemaker and a dissenter in the in the great tradition of, uh, well, Thomas Paine, David Thoreau, uh, and uh, the 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 martyrs at the time of the Reformation, the Huguenots, for example, and, and many others. He is a litigation and, and defendant support activist in Seattle. is a, a bachelor. Uh, no woman would sta- could stand to be married to a man who's constantly involved in court battles, sometimes as the, the defendant. Uh, he's age 59 years old and has read many, many cases and thought long and hard about law. Uh, though I have uh, read a little law and read a few cases, uh, all I can do is admire his, uh, his stamina uh, for digesting uh, court opinions, which I, I really think is a great hobby to have. I wish I had more time for it. Well, David, uh, commercial government is enforced by, against my listener, by three legs, especially in the area of travel, and that would be the pretended requirement that he have a driver's license, that he be uh, compulsorily insured uh, in his conveyance, and that he have his car registered with the state. Uh, and you're in the middle of saying that uh, a person using a vehicle, a, a car truck, privately may be in a, a contraption that is, in fact, uh, registered with the state in commerce as a commercial Object uh, and may be uh, insured uh, as a as a as a you know, as a public safety concern. Does that what does that mean? What if what if the user is not necessarily licensed? Can you, say, you were finishing your make your point about that again, please?
3: Yeah. Um, first, on the note of uh, or your comment regarding stamina, I'm an eyewitness to the fact, and believe me, everybody, adrenaline will get you a long way. Uh, In 1988, when I met government in the form of an IRS agent at my doorstep, I had never read a statute in my life. I was the world's fastest bartender. I could slam dunk basketballs, and and I had a life. (laughs) And then uh, I really wanted to know if the IRS can treat me the way they treated me, and I started studying tax law in June of 88. And in January of 94, began litigation with the treatise and uh, five trips to the Supreme Court by October of 98. Uh, This is all just, I'm not going to take it from government. And you look at what I did with that notion, and uh, I I put stars on it. (laughs) It's got gold trim now that uh, really I took civic duty to that extent. Um, About commercial government. I've never used that phrase. I've never made an argument that government is commercial, that it's a corporation. I've always stuck strictly to statutory language because I found so many protections in it. So all my, co- I feel all my rights were codified a long time ago. I want you to listen to these two Supreme Court cases. The first one is from Washington State Supreme Court, and the second one is from the federal Supreme Court. First one, 1935, Washington. It will be observed that a highway within the contemplation of the act is every way or place of whatever nature open as a matter of right to the use of the public for the purposes of vehicular travel. There can be no question but that this definition is broad enough to include streets and incorporated cities because they are open as a matter of right to the use of the public for the purposes of vehicular travel. End quote sounds to me like the state just declared that streets with incorporated cities and towns are open as a matter of right. Thank you for travel. Here's the Supreme Court from 1925, and you know the Supreme Court, if there's a particular question that is not before the court, they will not decide it. They won't reach out and decide an extra question, uh, or rarely have they ever chosen to do so. But when they mention something that's not before the court, and make a comment about it, <clears throat> what they're trying to do is say, Excuse me, but did anybody think of this over here? They're not allowed to do that. But here in 1925, the first case I read, Neely versus Bach, 1935, Washington State Supreme Court. This is Buck versus Kijkendahl, 1925, Supreme Court. The right to travel interstate by auto vehicle upon the public highways may be a privilege or immunity of citizens of the United States. A citizen may have, under the 14th Amendment, the right to travel and transport his property upon them by auto vehicle, but he has no right to make the highways his place of business by using them as a common carrier for hire. Such use is a privilege, which may be granted or withheld by the state in its discretion, Without violating either the due process clause or the equal protection clause. End quote. Well, what that tells me is that you know I'm not near as smart as a Supreme Court justice. And right here, they're saying in the majority opinion, there might be a right over here. The state can do this to businesses without uh, violating due process or equal protection, but the citizen might have a right.
2: And that's and the distinction is there, Dave. Uh David Merlin because the citizen is just using the roads that belong to the people. A trucker, a, a courier service, a cab service, a bus line, uh, these hire. are for they're all they're all people making their profit from the people's product, people's asset, which is the public right away, right? So they therefore they have to pay a tax. They have to be subject, you're suggesting, to regulation and taxation. Amen. All right. So, so, people who are uh, who are sort of the sticklers on this issue, there are, there are some Tennesseans like that, uh, e- even even now, uh, and and many thousands of Mexicans and Hispanic uh, Guatemalans, Hondurans, David Merlin, who who exercise the right to travel probably don't even know it, but they are they're they're not licensed people, they're not in the system, and they are uh, using the public right of way in cars, often with tags uh, that that carry their families to church and shopping and to, to outings uh completely free and the listener should not be upset at them right the listener should not say well they have to get a license too right
3: well as you uh no one you can't insist that anyone get a license unless you can prove that the law requires that they get one for their activity in the first place so uh unless you can prove that the law requires somebody to do a certain thing you need to be quiet about their conduct until you're not ignorant of um, until you're not ignorant of the law. You know, you can, law is just like the ocean; it can make you look like an idiot in seconds. You have to have respect for the, the complexities and really the the substance of what is law. And in the uh, motor vehicle code page uh, on wevgov.com, as you go through there, you're going to come across. The 1961 Washington statute that, uh, uh, that says open is a matter of right to public vehicular travel. But before that, in 1915, you're going to see a Sessions Law, and I believe it's right here on this page. Sessions Law means it's directly from the legislature um, that defines public highway uh, in three different ways. It can be uh, any way, lane, street, road, boulevard, or other surface. Open number one for the government to use for its, to conduct its business and affairs. Number two for uh, transportation of goods or commodities, and number three for travel or communication between different localities and community. I do number three. I don't do that number two. Transportation of goods. That's commercial movement of. Uh, goods or commodities or persons by a carrier. So I know the definition only applied the Motor Vehicle Code to number two, transportation, because that's the definition of motor vehicle. And it did not apply motor vehicle to travel or communication between different localities and community. That's what I do. So even if I'm registered for hire, if I'm not currently using my car for hire and instead I'm going to church with my family, or to the store, whatever, uh, then I am not engaged in an activity that is taxable whether I have plates or not. My activity, the nature of it, should come first. It's a constitutional right. Well, so it doesn't matter whether I'm registered as a motor vehicle, my conduct is a constitutional right.
2: Let me ask, Dave, we're talking with David Merlin, and this is David Tullis, thank you for giving us a minute of your time here at Nougat Radio. We cover local economy and free markets in Chattanooga. And beyond, David, I think my listener appreciates what you're saying, but somehow let's let's bring it back to him. He he's saying, okay, well, this is all fine and interesting, but I'm a licensee. I, this is not something I can really change. I don't think I can get into the depths of this legal tangle. So what? Give my re- listener the so what, the who cares? Why should he care about this? Why is this not just an arcane legal issue that David Toolis? Or, or someone like David Merlin discuss with, with avid interest. Uh, why why should he really care about this as much as you do, or at least partly as much as you do? What, what's at stake?
3: This is going to start narrowly, but it's going to broaden into my answer to that question. IRS, Internal Revenue Service. IRS, Illegal Revenue Service dreams. I-R-S. Ignorance reaps slavery. I want safe roads. License me. Make sure I know how to operate my vehicle and I'm not a threat to others. Thank you, servant. I'll pay for that license. But here's what they get in addition to the public safety, which should be their only valid motivation. State and federal motor vehicle fuel excise tax, state and federal motor vehicle tire excise tax, annual tabs, the license plate, registration, pay for emissions, jump through this hoop, red light enforcement, traffic fines, mail, DUI, uh, um, mandatory auto all of this comes with making sure you're safe on the road and what did they do with the money they spent it on extra cop cars so we got more cops per square mile to enforce the motor vehicle code to make money off of you they've turned it into a profit motive make sure I'm safe that's fine but the rest of this garbage how small would government be if they had not stolen all of this money by taxing the exercise of a right you cannot tax the exercise of a right murdoch versus pennsylvania like 19 was it 43 and 89 cases that cite murdoch versus pennsylvania since then all of them in the supreme court you can't tax license or criminalize the exercise of a right and so that's why it's important it's a racketeering scheme it's not just them slightly misenforcing the law it pays the pensions of public servants and it's stolen money I'm not very happy about
2: it. Well, it seems to me that David Merlin would face a real uphill battle to get people interested in this. And I, I say that with some dismay. Back when uh, the, the gay decision was being uh, considered, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges in 2015, I said, well, we, we need to understand the, the a law in Tennessee It's called the Relator Law that lets 10 people organize as a committee and throw out, essentially impeach every official, I think except the governor." Can be removed from office by uh, under the Relator, Relator, the Relator statute. And what happens there is uh, representing the state of Tennessee, representing the state itself, ten people organize and say we charge this official with malfeasance or misfeasance, uh, or or a mass a mass tort against the people, and we remove him from office. Now, and the, and the statute requires that the the, the attorney general help uh, help this group. And I talked about this in some detail. I wrote about it in some detail. My listener did not call me. My listener, um, David Merlin, did not call me to say, "David, can we meet about this? Can, can we hear you talk about this? Can you can bring the, the law book with you and talk about this with me and a friend?" My listener didn't call me, and so because my listener didn't call me, uh, nothing was done, and our our county court clerk, Bill Knowles, uh, capitulated to this uh, queer decision, which has queered the law in Tennessee and will queer for until until we collapse. I mean, this this is a disaster legally. It is a deconstruction of the law, it is a kind of uh, a kind of neutron bomb of the law where the, the opinion in Washington voids the words that remain standing in the statute in the, in the Constitution, but which have no meaning and no life, that's the neutron bomb theory of law. And people don't care, my listener doesn't care, uh, David Merlin, so I, I'm not sure how there can be a groundswell of opposition to tyrannical the tyrannical state. Sure. Uh, If I didn't, if my listener didn't call me.
3: Small steps, small steps. You don't do everything at once because this is foreign to public servants, too. They're not paid to know the law. They're paid to bring in money. And they're kept as stupid as they have to be to do the number on you. They don't do a job. They do a number in too many instances. That statute you just uh, described to me is a wet dream. Uh, that's great. I have a citizens' review panel statute in my book called No Confidence, Civil Liberties versus Homeland Security. You'll find it for sale on wevgov.com along with other courses. But uh, you need a jury nullification statute. I have one in my book. And you also need uh, a statute for citizens' review panel. Your legislature came close. My citizens review panel and my statute has a lot more authority than that. And you couple that with the ability to write criminal complaints and the knowledge at wevgov.com, it you have more authority than you ever dreamed. You know you can take this first step. Okay, I can do a review panel. I have this Tennessee statute. Well, what if you knew this public servant was guilty of felony violations of the law? What's a felony? It is as easy as two people, like a prosecutor and a judge, conspiring to illegally obtain your rights to property or to liberty. They violated court rules, and they wouldn't allow discovery in my criminal case, and they found me guilty. Well, that's unauthorized conduct. You can't violate court rules, and you did it to take somebody's liberty, that's a maximum of 10 years in prison under Title 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. I think I'd better file a criminal complaint with my review panel and bring charges against my through my review panel against this judge and prosecutor for state law violations. But I can ring the felony bell on the federal level. And if I can ring the felony bell on wevgov.com on the Citizen's Arrest page, you'll see all the case law you need to know that a citizen can arrest a felon with any necessary force. You're coming with me, Your Honor. And so I don't play. This is business. I have the right to arrest a felon. Why would I waste my time proving a public servant committed a misdemeanor? I'm going to start with felony violations on the part of the judge. What do I get out of this? Small steps. I drove for several years without a license plate, driver's license, insurance, tabs. I had an expired trip permit in the back window for years because I could just tell the judges, told the cops, don't bring him into my court. Every time he comes in here, he's filing criminal complaints against me in my own court and I gotta step off the case. And so unless he's breaking arms and burglarizing homes, leave him alone. How much money did I save by being fully informed and acquiring a willingness to confront government over what it's obviously doing that it shouldn't be doing. That's a small step that I made. And if you got a citizens review panel statute like you just cited to me, I would I would I would go out and borrow money so I could fund a meeting room with cameras. I would get a, a clerk so that they could manage the docket, and I'd bring public servant after public servant before my review panel on criminal complaints, and i have people authorized to go out and make citizen's arrests. I'd be in communication with the sheriff about what I'm doing. It's all within the law, and I would go on the offense. No reason for defense. I'm on the offense every time because I don't work for guilty people.
2: This is David Toulouse, and we're hearing a word of encouragement by David Merlin, the Seattle uh, the Seattle litigation and defendant support activist, uh, who is telling us that with small steps we can regain lost liberties. We cannot live in fear. I think that's the main thing, David Merlin. Uh, my listener can stop living in fear, and he can take some small steps to regain his liberty and, and be a man about being a Tennessean or a Georgian. Here's,
3: here's where I stand. Uh, excuse me. You mentioned the, the Internal Revenue Code to me. Well, how does Section 83 operate in your conclusion? I owe a tax on my paycheck. You're stealing, servant. You're in a conspiracy with your boss to steal my money, and that's a conspiracy against my rights. Ten years in prison, Mac. I can arrest you now.
2: This is David Toulis, and check out uh, Dave Merlin's work at nugonomics.com. Nugonomics.com has an introductory essay about his concept of review counts. That's nugonomics.com and this is David Toolis. I've got some important messages for
1: you. Hang on. Great. That was yours truly, Dave Merlin, on David Toulouse's radio show on Nuga Radio, 92.7 FM, in Chattanooga, AM 1240. Another episode will soon appear here at the archives on Talkshow 59615. Thanks for tuning in to No Confidence, and I'll see you in the next episode. I
0: say good show!